Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. On this episode of the podcast, we are talking about podcast. Jillian Van Strat stops by and we break down all of the new podcasts coming to MLive. As I said, our guest today, Jillian Van Strat, and as always, my co-host, Vice President of Content, the one, the only, John Heiner. Eric, I'm good, but it's deja vu. It feels like I was just here with you. It does feel like that. It does feel like that's amazing how that works. It's great to be back on Behind the Headlines. You know, about a year ago, I got brought into this um, great fraternity. I got to be one of the cool kids and got to have a podcast of my very own. And I got to say, I really didn't know what I was doing. And maybe I still don't. I really enjoy talking to our listeners every week. I love talking to our staff and bringing them on. But um, at the beginning, we had only had a few podcasts that MLive had produced at that time and aired. And so behind the headlines was was adding to that stable. But, you know, a lot's happened. And I want to talk about that today, not just in MLive, but across the media industry. And uh, the growth of podcasts really augurs something for the way people get information in America. And we have some exciting things happening in the podcasting realm. So that's what I want to talk about today. Our guest is our director of audience development, and she oversees not only audio, but but video, social, and other aspects for MLive. Jillian Van Strat, welcome. Hi. It's great to have you here. And also, nice. Eric, let's just, just lay this out, Eric. You are an expert in, in all things media. You're, you, you have a, a lot of experience in audio, video, podcasting. And I think this is a really cool conversation today. Just in the past year or two, um, let's just do the landscape. What's been happening in America with, with the people uh, downloading, digesting, and using podcasts as their main in- information source? Are you tossing to me or to Jillian? Uh, either. Go for it. I'll defer to Jillian just because she's got a wider berth of what has been going on in the MLive space, and then I can kind of fill in the gaps on what's going on nationwide. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I am number one a podcast junkie as a listener, um, and that has been the case for years, but podcasts have changed so much over time. Like, you know, every it feels like everybody you know, fell in love with cereal. So it's always been something to point to. It's been a bar and I loved cereal myself. Um, but everyone, that was one of the first ones I remember where everyone was talking about it, not just people that you knew that were listening to podcasts. And that's kind of been, you know, the bar that was set for certain types of podcasts. People got into true crime, as in a comedy one, sports ones, certain things are weekly, but I think it was an interesting thing for then obviously journalism, to go and because some of them are just entertainment podcasts, but then you found that a lot of publishing companies and newspapers were getting in the game, but none of them had, I mean, we were newspapers were print. So there wasn't just this wealth of staff that, you know, was trained in audio production or, you know, had the, were hired for their voice, you know, they were hired for their pen. And so that has been a journey, I think, not just at MLI, but for everybody to, um, 
the the reporting was there, the stories were there that podcasts need to be great. Um, and the the inside access was there. Uh, but that didn't mean that anyone would be good at podcasts just because we had checked those boxes. And, and I would say, John, that that serial, to Jillian's point, set this bar. And at the same time, sort of ruined it for everybody because everybody thought that they should make a cereal. And the problem with making a cereal is if you're just starting to Jillian's point, if you just got a team that's just trying to figure it out, what NPR was doing was taking 20 hours of editing to put mm -hmm. together a single episode and people don't have that time. And so there was this moment, this we'll call it, you know, for all of us of a certain age, this mash moment where everybody gathered around the glowing box mm -hmm. and listened to cereal and we had a you know, a water cooler moment to talk about a single piece of media, which is rarefied air these days. And then I think, and Jillian, we can get into this. What we discovered is where the format format actually thrives is in niche. It's not trying to reach everybody, but trying to reach that person that's into that thing. Yeah. And not just reaching like a niche or, or being, you know, a specialized topic or research there, but it's a totally different game in terms of um, instant gratification. Journalists are really used to between like how we work on deadlines and breaking news and the day the newspaper would hit the stands that the reporting you did, like you knew, boom, you knew that day if people are reading your story. Mm -hmm. And even some of my favorite podcasts, I might take a hi like I might take a hiatus for six months and not listen to it. And then a year later, go on a road trip and listen to eight, 10 hours of it. So we've also had to adjust like how we can understand the product in terms of success or if people are listening. Serial, one of the best, I didn't listen to it when it first came out. It probably took yep. me a year and a half and we're not really wired in this business to be like, don't worry, it's good. In a year and a half, people might really <laughs> listen to it and in, love it. In three be years, popular. you'll be, be super popular. popular. Be like, I don't even know if the host is going to work here in three years. Like, how am I supposed to wait for that? You know, so that is a that is a different rhythm to get used to for publishers in the podcast realm is that um, unless we're talking about, you know, which were like some of the sports ones that are considered the um, genre of like immediate listening. They're the ones that, you know, they come out on a Monday or Tuesday and you're ready for it and each week you go to get that podcast and it's tied to news and stuff. There's that. But for the ones that are episodic and serial in nature, there's a chance that somebody's going to love it two years from now. That's, that's difficult. So you're saying there's hope for the book of poetry I wrote when I was in college that someday people might discover it um, 40 or 50 years later. Maybe I just need to put it to audio. So I've, uh, you know, posthumous poetry is usually the best. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> um, I want to touch on something you mentioned uh, that basically why we're wired as newspaper people. Uh, there's, you know, some of the newer generation are not, they, they never worked in a real newspaper operation, but the, the mindset, how we think, how we think about a breaking news story and getting it out. And so I'm going to use as an analogy video, which you're in charge of for MLive as well, but say five, seven years ago, what we knew is video was emerging we're a news media outfit. People are getting information via video. We should be there. And I liken this to you're going to build a college campus, wait a year and see where everybody walks and put the sidewalks there. You know, we, you have to just start. And we, we made mistakes. We stumbled. Uh, we had misconceptions about what people, uh, how they used video or needed video, what we were capable of. And it was a steep learning curve. But 
it used to be like, here's the print room. We're going to go in and do our print thing. Then we're going to leave the print room and go over to our video room and do our video thing. And now we've kind of merged it so that video is a part. It's, it's incorporated into all the things we do as a news media company. And we use video in stories, but it also uh, thanks to your multi Emmy winning team has started to tell stories through video that maybe we then transfer into print or in, uh, into other platforms, social or otherwise. Is that an analogy for audio too? What our learnings are going to be with audio? I mean, I would assume so. It's like that workflow you said that you you have to, I hit, it's a tough analogy to say with the sidewalks because you, you kind of have to have sidewalks before the people arrive on campus. But you're right, they could change like all the zigzag paths. Right now where, you know, it's not new that we have to follow audience. No, in, in media, but it was a lot simpler. In fact, there were there were there were a lot fewer avenues and places and platforms to go find the audience and ways of delivering stories. So, delivering the story, storytelling, still the same at its core, um, and what the journalist is going to do to bring to that. But things have changed so much that you need to be able to, okay. How are you going to tell it in audio? And are there things that are going to be better through audio than they were in print? And so it doesn't need to be a compliment. That's what we found out in video. It was like, okay, well, we have this story. Where's the video element? Not everything translates to video. So sometimes people were forcing it. They're like, video is important. We need to have it. Here's the story. What can we do to go with video? And it's like, that's not a, that's not a visual story. It could be a great story, but it doesn't mean it's a visual story. And so sometimes then video, we need to say sometimes video is the only way that story should be told. It doesn't need, yeah, you can put up a story to go with it, a headline. You can find a way to make pe sure people know the video exists, but that's now happening in audio of that for some things, um, whether it's, I don't know, stories that sports writers can tell that they find in the locker room or something, things that not all, that doesn't always fit into the print. So you kind of have to now find out what is better told through audio and do it there mm -hmm. um, or where what is the audience there's audience listening to podcasts just just consuming it at such high levels what a, what do people like in podcasts and do we have people that can do that yeah and, and eric the chicken and egg question is the explosion in an audio uh, and all the investments going into driven by demand or is it driven by innovation that it, that people are finding and, and consuming well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, once once that that serial moment happened, you had this cascading effect of people discovering podcasts and then discovering how easy it was to get them on whatever device they had in Android or or using Apple podcasts. And then, you know, a month ago, you see the announcement that Spotify is now beating Apple in podcast consumption. And that's on the heels of hiring Joe Rogan at $100 million and all of the other investments that they made after that huge deal to build their own audio empire. And I think when you're talking about consumer behavior, consumers understand audio first. It's a thing that they understand easily. It's why the first augmented or AI piece of equipment in most people's homes is an Alexa or something that they can yell at because they understand that. Um, and, and I would say 
as far as the chicken and the egg, I think we're still figuring that out because you're still seeing people, especially on our side and the sales side, you're still seeing people that are looking for giant numbers when that might not be the answer. You know, it might be Kevin Kelly's thousand true fan theory that you really only need 500 people to listen mm -hmm. to that podcast and two of them to take whatever action that is, sign up for a newsletter or buy something mm -hmm. from you. And that piece of audio is a win for you, right? Where in the publishing world, that might be slightly different, but again, to Jillian's point, you've got to find out where the audience is and what they want to listen to, and then figure out the algebra using a whiteboard of how many times should we make it? How long should it be? Where should the mid-roll ad be? Should there be a mid-roll ad? Should we skip that altogether? And, and that, I think we're still in the throes of figuring it out, even though audio as a medium is ancient right? I mean, it's, it's how we first communicated, which is mm -hmm. why it's so nascent to how we consume media. Well, and like everything else, the pandemic threw a wrench in it and right. changed everything that where some changes were going to be temporary that we've seen with pandemic, they're happening because we're on lockdown and some, some ways in which it affected it are permanent. So obviously we learned not just us, the we, the royal we of media, whether it was New York Times publishing or NPR podcasts or whatever, that numbers, when commutes went away, the numbers plummeted. And at the same time, everyone and their brother started a podcast during the pandemic. Everyone. It, they were, everybody was back at home. Comedian people were not having their normal jobs. So whether it was entertainers, comedians, and some of those have turned into great podcasts, but audience behavior and listener behavior without that commute changed so much. And the commute is what had given us supposedly the data that the best podcast is 22 to 28 minutes because that's the amount of time somebody was in a car. And then all of a sudden we're the pandemic and we have a million more podcasts hitting and some of them can be five minutes in our daily and some of them are an hour and a half and people are would listen to three hours if you gave it to them. So it's... That's a wild, wild west still out there. But like I said, like with everything, the pandemic just kind of blew up the data and changed behavior. And we're kind of now sussing out what stuck, what's going to be a permanent change in that realm. Speaking of mid-roll advertising, <laughs> you're listening to Behind the Headlines, an MLive podcast. And today the podcast is about podcasts and podcasting uh, across the world. I mean, as a, as a, communication form, but also here at MLive. And we're, we're joined by Jillian Van Strat, Director of Audience Development and Overseer of All Things Audio at MLive, and our resident in-house expert, Eric Culcran, my co-host. A great conversation. Jillian, a couple of things I'm going to reference that you mentioned. And one was, you know, the right podcast for the story, you know, and what drives that. Um, but also then, you know, the innovation part of this and, and evolving and learning and we've got some stuff coming up that I, I wanted to make sure we talked about today, some, some new podcasts. And, and I would like you to talk about how they evolved and how they, they grew out of the things that we've learned. Just like in video, some of our documentaries we're doing now grew out of our learnings. And so why don't you go ahead and introduce the, the next one we're working on and talk about how it's, it's different and innovative. Um, you want lions? For, you want to go sports first, no, or no, no, no. Uh, the other no, no. we're going. No. We're, we're going to go. Right. We're going to go weirdness first. Okay, so um, this has been a, a long time coming. Not just this season, but in terms of the origins of this, is one of the most successful podcasts MLive 
has ever had is one of the originals and it was Michigan crime stories. And really it was just, you know, uh, a few reporters trying to figure it out, you know, in a, in a side room from the newsroom, you know, grabbing some mics um, and basing it on reporting. So say a, um, um, a story about pigs or a story about a stabber in Flint or something, something that felt to them like it was a, uh, intriguing crime story. They would get together in a room and they would, as the reporters kind of talk about the story, but that true crime, that genre was so popular and the Michigan crime stories just, it worked even just with a few reporters in a room with a set of microphones and really minimal editing. It just kept, we haven't recorded a season of it in two years and it continues to just keep getting audience. Just thousands of listens, you know, for something that hasn't been increased. So we've been wanting to kind of revive this um, because I've known that it's just, it obviously works. It keeps working even without fresh content. But the whole point was we had already done the reporting. Like a reporter had already found a story, had already done it. And so being able to take that and turn it in just made sense because we already had all that there. Um, and then well, one day, some of, this, some of this too, where these are stories that you would tell at a campfire or something yeah, like yeah. So these guys, this guys have a feud the guy disappears 20 years later, you finally get fed to pigs. No, we yeah. got fed to pigs. Yeah. And, and so we were revisiting some of the most, you know, uh, uh, out there, uh, you know, crime stories and, and some that were just really sad and gripping. But I think to your point, it was the quality of the story and then telling it in a, in, a, in a more oral tradition way. And you always knew because when the story would come up in a newsroom discussion or somebody in the newsroom would read the story that someone else wrote and it just turned in to the chatter, you know, whether we were having like a, you know, a newsroom meeting in the morning or it was just, you know, it hit the wire in the afternoon and somebody, did you see this? Whenever the conversation, it took over the conversation in the newsroom, it was like, mark it, Mark it, it's one of them. You you know it's a given. If it if it proves chatter in the newsroom, it means it's a it's a talker. I guess that's kind of inside lingo, and right? We're like, happened. it's a talker. And that's what happened with this one. Yep. We had a reporter, Gus Burns, who wrote a story that was so amazing. I mean, it was so unlike the characters, we could see them. It was almost like deliverance meets Ozark meets, you know, uh, uh you know, uh meets pin conning. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh duck dynasty but the quotes the characters and all the editors were chatting in our in our in-house uh, online you know chat function couldn't believe we were quoting quotes for the story mm -hmm. and a person i think it may have been me said man that that would be a great podcast you know i or, mean or, maybe, or, it or video, maybe it was you maybe it was me Maybe I said maybe i said a video series but uh <laughs> but anyways you go ahead and take it from there yeah. So that's to say, like, yeah, I was like this podcast, it was a proven, um, but you keep seeing characters and that's the deal. Um, at least for this type of podcast, like an episodic podcast is that there were characters, you know, there, there were two guys named Terry, you know, <laughs> there were two guys named Terry from Pinconning during the pandemic. Well, still during the pandemic, during the thick of the pandemic, like fishing together, talking about some old party, you know, in a VFW lodge and like all this stuff. And, and it turns out, you know, some cannabis seeds had been pocketed um, in the pants of a Vietnam medic and he had brought the, the seeds back and it turned in into, 70s. yeah, in the seventies, he grows it, 
brings it to some, you know, some party in the middle of nowhere, pops down a bag, it turns into a thing and it created this whole mythical status and Pinconning Paralyzer was something, you know, that people talked about, but obviously this is in the years where it's very much illegal. So, you know, it had this cult status and this mythical status and people all knew about it, but by word of mouth. So boom, years later, you know, decades later, Michigan legalizes cannabis and people are like, you know, what these shops should be selling, it should be Pinconning Paralyzer, which was the name of that 1970s cannabis strain that, um, that the Terry's remembered. Um, and that's when one of the Terry's always said, said to the other Terry, I still have seeds from Pinconic Paralyzer, which is being grown as we speak, but not harvested yet. So yeah, I always said this was so intriguing. There were so many characters, characters are the key to it, that as soon as it hit everybody basically in agreement, whether it was you or me who said it first, this is a podcast. It just makes sense. It's a story that should be told. Um, And so we got to work and it's finally happening and it's super exciting because like Eric said, like cereal was great and ruined it, but like this is my cereal. This is the one that I've been waiting for at MLive that we finally are producing a podcast where people are going to, you know, just want to dive into the next one where the characters, you know, I want to hear this story and are kind of just wrapped up in a, in a unique and weird story in the middle of nowhere, Michigan. Yeah. And we're, we're packaging it on under Michigan crime stories, even though marijuana is now legal in Michigan, but the long history of this thing is is astounding. It's a little mythical because we may never know if those three seeds that they found uh, and they grew, they, they recultivated, reanimated are actually, who knows, but also I want to say that I remember the 70s names like Maui Waui or, you know, Colombian Gold or whatever, but Penny Paralyzer is just one of the best names ever for, mm-hmm. for a mind-altering substance. Um, and, and one thing, Jillian, this is really growing, like just like our video efforts kind of grew on themselves. Uh, this is growing on what we learned in the success of Mandatory, which was another longer form uh, serial storytelling. And that was a news story uh, that, that your team worked on as well. Yeah, that one, again, it's great when it's a reporter-led thing, just like we're saying with Pinconning Paralyzer, we had Gus Burns who, you know, figured this all out and got to the bottom of it and brought this story. Um, and then the mandatory case, you know, it was Emily Lawler, which I think you guys you know, yep. talked about we did. here. And it was the same thing. It was years and, you know, she got a hold of something like Eric was saying earlier, that was niche, you know, it was, it's not a story anybody else had. And it, she kept trying to pitch it. The reason it stood out as a good podcast idea, every time she tried to pitch the story as a story, it was so took so long to explain. You had to tell all these, and we're like, you might as well just record the audio of explaining it. <laughs> like it, there were talk about made for a podcast. There was no way that you could just write it. You were you would have had to ask, uh, you know, attention deficit human brains to read so many thousands of words <laughs> to even figure out like what had gone on that we're like, it just made sense to make it spoken word. So um, when will uh, we, yeah, listeners have a chance to download and listen to Penny Paralyzer? Uh, in the next couple of weeks, awesome. should be out to it. Yep, yep. Um, mm-hmm. There's a good trailer out there that uh, our audio producer Jessica Shepard recorded. But um, and even that, it's just intriguing. The characters in this story are something else. Having lived 18 years up by Pin Conning, 
yes, you need to listen to this podcast. Trust me. <laughs> um, and you talked earlier about the, the broad variety of stuff that we do in audio. One, for instance, we do a morning briefing, which is our news headlines. We have something like this, which is once a week and the, the, the topics vary. But the, the old tried and true is guys sitting around talking sports and we're going to expand there. So why don't we you talk a little bit, Jillian, about what's coming there and how that one's a little different, too. Yes, finally, long time coming. We're having a Lions podcast uh, that is called Dungeon of Doom. And for people who don't know that phrase, when Jim Caldwell was hired and came to Detroit, he really quickly nicknamed the media room, you know, the guys and, and the women covering the team. Um, he thought the Detroit market was the most negative media market he'd ever been a part of. Wonder and so why. he nicknamed it the Dungeon of Doom. And it was like, <laughs> look, here, here's the problem. Um, they've seen things. The, the, the guys covering the Lions. Yeah, they've um, seen they've seen things. They've seen things. And they have the data. <laughs> it, it, it does. It was probably harsh for Caldwell. But when he walked into that room, all the people sitting there with microphones have the data to show that this isn't going to end well for him. <laughs> Straight up. So like you are, you're looking like they're the dungeon. Of course, they're, we've seen it before. It doesn't matter if you came from college, if you were another NFL head coach, if you had been a, you're a defensive guy, you're an offensive guy. We've seen every version. It all ends the same. It ends in possibly your entire career being tarnished and never coaching again. Best case scenario. So, you know, there's just Dungeon of Doom. But then once a week, I was talking to our um, beat writers, uh, Kyle Meinke and Ben Raven, who are um, doing, going to be doing this Lions podcast, we realized that it does also work on many levels because Lion fans live in their own Dungeon of Doom. They just do. And it is why it's different than other sports podcasts is because Lions fans are different than any other fan of any sport ever in the world. Like, I think that it's not, um, that's totally factually true, right? You guys agree it with that? It's true. It's like, there's no, yeah, point. yeah. Like so they used to, they used to have some Cubs fans that would be like, yeah, we haven't won in a while either. Like they're, they've won every other team that was, had this long drought. Even the um, Browns. Yeah. Every, even, even the Browns. Um, so it's a sad state of affairs, but also is a window into the human condition <laughs> because the fact that these people are Lions fans is, honestly on a psychological level intriguing it is. so these guys are prepared our our beat writers are prepared to not you know we don't honestly the world does not need another two dudes breaking down the cover two it's out there you find that it's it is what it is they're going to bring an element of whether it's guests former alliance those guys have stories taking us in the locker room um stories from on the road um and then um kyle meinke i be writer there, uh, you know, has just said, hey, I run into fans all the time at the airport after games. So realize what you're talking about here is a human that flew to a Detroit Lions game. <laughs> I want to hear from that person. So that that's exciting. I'm really I'm really excited about this podcast. And on top of it, audience M live of all the teams that we cover for sports. Um, everybody's well aware that we have had our Lions um, audience is special and is a long time how they're they're loyal they're dedicated it goes back a lot of years and we just um, we've got a we have a good relationship with our Lions audience and so I I have have no doubt that they are thirsty for this podcast and that really helps and people have asked me 
but gee, you're launching a year that they're terrible. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. We yeah. have, we used to have one Lions writer, uh, Tom Kowalski, RIP, who just went into the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame. But we doubled it and we got double the readership. We tripled our our, our beat uh, writers, got triple the readership. And I was about to say, Lions fan is special. They're like, you're at Cedar Point and you're on the, the, the scariest ride and a piece of metal flies off the ride during the ride, you know, hits somebody on the ground. The Lions fans get back on the ride. They just- well, they, they bought a ticket. So they're there. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I mean, like some of us, we, we, we have protected ourselves emotionally. We say, you know, that's how we act like, Oh, I mostly just tune in just to see which creative way they can lose. You know, we tell ourselves that to protect our hearts, but we're still tuning in, which is questionable life choices. If you think of like, you know what I mean? You can tell yourself that that is why you're watching is to see how they could possibly have a historic and never been seen before. Uh, no, like way to lose. Game two weeks ago. I, yeah, name it. So yeah, we had. It's not people. Why would you do it a season? They're bad. I mean, if we waited till the playoff season. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're question coming up with names. Questionable life choices would have been a good name too for, <laughs> for a live podcast. But uh, but it's it, not it, a choice. You're so born into so many of you born into it. You know, it's not except for the British fans. There's an odd British contingent and they have their own podcast about the Lions. And I do not understand that. Well, this gets back to what Eric was saying about niche. And and the thing is that we know that it doesn't matter what happens on the field. As a matter of fact, if they got really good, I'd be a little worried about what might happen to our audience. But um, it's, it's about me. that. It's about the the passion people have about a topic, and I think it feeds right in what you were saying, Eric. Right about about niche audiences. Well, and I think to, to Jillian's social experiment, right? There, there's there's this sort of like gamblers feeling as as a Lions fan is that you've put so much time and effort into this that this I, my father-in-law says this literally every August 1st that this is the year right it doesn't you know I've been in this family for nearly two decades and for 20 years this is the year Eric and then by October 5th all of the excuses come out right because now he's on the other side talking about what amazing ways they can figure out how to lose in the first quarter when there's three other quarters to win but I think yeah you've got contingencies across the pond that want to talk about the Jillian is 100% right this is the most unique sports team on the planet and therefore there's so many ways to kind of unfurl that spool of rope that that this is exactly what I was talking about think about it like of all the teams in all the sports it's the Lions who no matter what always will play on your Thanksgiving (laughs) <laughs> like incredibly like they've literally found a way to also ruin family holidays <laughs> every year they don't mess with it like there's no there's no reason other than pretty much trolling the human spirit that they that the detroit lions would be one of the teams you know to always play on that holiday you know? i was so sad to to see dan campbell's enthusiasm at his press conference because i saw them destroy daryl rogers i saw them destroy um, Bobby Ross, I saw them destroy Jim Caldwell, you know, and then after that Baltimore game, they showed his face walking off the field and he looked, if the hypertension had a picture to go with it, his face, <laughs> his neck was bulging, his face was red. And I was like, 
you know, he can say what he wants, but if he's a living, breathing human being with emotions, this is going to kill the poor man. And we're going to unfortunately document it in our new podcast. It's bigger than you, Dan. It's not like nobody's above the curse. <laughs> Anyways, hey, uh, we're excited about that. We're hoping to launch that by the beginning of November. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we got some good things coming down the, the, the pipeline here. Um, and we're always evolving. We're always thinking about ways to tell the best ways to tell stories. And obviously podcasting is here to stay. And um, hopefully behind the headlines is part of that too. <laughs> telling, telling good stories. This conversation today was a blast. Well, like you said, we don't know two years from now, a bunch of people could go on a road trip and just binge every episode you've ever recorded. <laughs> just like cereal. Thanks mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, she already well, listens. I'm sure. I'm sure she does. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for uh, thanks for joining the conversation today, Jillian. And uh, hey, go Lions. Shout out to Jillian for stopping by to talk about all of the podcasts and get a little bit in the weeds on uh, Lions fandom. As always, if you like what we're doing, like, subscribe, and share wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Hulkerin, and this is Behind the Headlines.